0: Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show, and with me today is our friend and brother in Christ, Owen. Owen, welcome back to the show, man.
0: Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me back on. I do appreciate it. Uh, yeah, man. I think you're you're setting a
1: record here. It's like seven, um, seven or eight times now. So it's 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 always a joy to have
0: you, man. It's a joy to be back. I appreciate your heart for God's truth and uh the the friendship. Thank you, brother. You too, you too.
1: Well, catch us up. What's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project wise?
0: yeah uh, i am still in arkansas uh central arkansas at grace bible theological seminary i'm the provost and i teach theology here at this school and thankful to do that good folks around and uh, enjoying that and um making way through life with uh, my wife bethany um god's greatest earthly gift to me and my three kids We're kind of in the middle years with the kids so uh coaching basketball for the first time Nice. I'm officially a basketball coach and uh, (laughs) of my son. Loving that. Good father-son time. Have a couple of work projects happening. Obviously, this book, The War on Men. And then in January, another book called uh, The Warrior Savior. So war seems to be on my mind in the last couple of years. And I think not unintentionally, (laughs) uh, but that's a quick summation.
1: Yeah, for sure, brother. Well, tell us about this book, The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received.
0: I'm really burdened for men. A lot of men's literature um, does one of two things, makes one of two moves. Some burn men down and yell at men and scream at men and say, you're such an idiot. Why don't you have it together? Um, You know, there's basically no hope for you in practical terms. Others kind of is like, yeah, get out there, be tribal, embrace the masculine essence and everything about you is great. And, uh, you know, use women, figure out how to how to bed them, figure out how to get what you want from the world, that kind of thing. And I very much don't want to make either move. I want to call men to recognize that they are a sinner in the in the work of Adam, per the work of Adam applied to them, but that they have infinite hope in Jesus Christ, um, that their greatest need is, is Jesus and that Jesus doesn't call men into a soft, passive, plastic life. He calls men into a real flesh and blood existence where we are uh, demanded to show strength by his grace. We're not the strong one in the partnership with God. We're the weak one, as Paul captured. But nonetheless, we have to actually go beyond that and say, nonetheless, the Bible calls those of us who are weak, all Christians, but all men included, to be strong. So you think of David to Solomon, 1 Kings 2 to be strong. And show yourself a man in, in the grace of God, in the, in the truth of God, basically, in that passage. So I think that call echoes into today as well. We're called to be strong in the grace of God.
1: Yeah. I think that's uh, a good word. You know, we're, we're even seeing this idea and I know you're burdened about as well, uh, of maybe of toxic masculinity. And I, I know you're passionate about speaking out about that. What exactly is that idea? Why, why should we as Christians, you know, speak out
0: against that? Good question. Basically anything associated with masculine strength today, according to the left, uh, is, is toxic. So if men are assertive aggressive if they take risks if they challenge other men to be a man or man up or something like that um, they are toxic and you can find this isn't me uh, reading the left in a poisonous way Uh, the left is happy to form its own poison and sell it by the bushel Um, if you read websites out there i cite several in the book one from for example brown university that is not a kind of outlier culturally that's an ivy league institution that has a web page on unlearning toxic masculinity and you can find this sort of thing all over the web and at many colleges and universities today and you recognize that that goes directly against the wiring of a man not every man is called to be the heroic quarterback in the super bowl or um, you know bench press 400 pounds or a bear hunt on every other weekend in the fall. That's not what my book is about. I want men to take physical dominion of their body. I want men, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, um, you know, to to try to be a, a strong protector as God would enable them to be. Of course, not every man even can do that. Some men have disabilities and handicaps and that sort of thing. But fundamentally, I just want to push back against the whole narrative. And I want to say, God has wired men to want to be strong, Um, God has given men on average, as I say in The War on Men, this new book, 2,000 to 3,000%. That's a lot, by the way, of percentage points. I'm not a mathematician. More testosterone than women. 2,000 to 3,000% more testosterone men than women on average. God has given men as another example of how God has wired us, has made us, has created us uh, with 50 to 60% greater upper body strength than women. Um, So you just recognize that doesn't tell you everything you need to know. You need scripture above all. But um, Christians actually can be a little shy sometimes about studying how God has made us. And we don't need to be shy about that. Again, we're going to have different levels of strength and height and physical ability and athletic ability. I don't call every man uh, to, to try to become a sports star in the war on men. But what we do need to recognize is that being strong in a virtuous way, in a biblical way, whether that's spiritual or physical or anything else, it is not toxic. It's not toxic at all. It's godly by the power of the spirit.
1: Amen. Amen. What are the consequences of weak male leadership in our society?
0: That's a great question, too. Uh, you just see it everywhere. You saw it in the shooting in Texas, of all places, in Uvalde, Texas, uh, a year or so ago, where there was a public shooter slaughtering children, uh, tragically. And um, this uh, this off-duty uh, police officer, whatever he may be, uh, armed forces member, uh, Jacob Alvarado was getting a haircut in Uvalde, heard the news of this public shooter from his wife, who was a teacher at the school where the shooting was occurring, um, grabbed a shotgun and uh, went into the school defying orders and saved a whole bunch of lives while for almost an hour, many other armed, armed personnel did nothing, didn't go into the school, uh, didn't risk, didn't try to save the lives of precious children and adults. And that was a little picture to me. I talk about this in the introduction to the book of where we are as a society. It's better today to be weak and not risk being toxically masculine than to step up, show initiative, try to help others, and and potentially something goes wrong. When men act in in strength, and again, it's not just physical all really what I think we need to show as men is theological and spiritual strength. That's the core. It's it's not a it's not a choice between physical strength or, or spiritual strength in in Scripture. it's both. But spiritual strength or theological strength is the most important strength there is. And, and so that really invests every man as a Christian by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to us through saving faith given us by God, that calls us to stand up, and and speak against evil excuse me and promote what is good and and that's really where you see that every man has a role in this whether single or married um whatever he may look like whatever his position may be or not in the church this is what i believe men are called to be but our culture doesn't want that our culture our woke feminist pagan culture as i spell out in the war on men wants men to be soft and weak and passive and take their cues from women and we love women as godly men, we want their good. We want their flourishing. We want their wisdom. Um, we want to cultivate them. We want to understand them. But um, we're not called to step behind them and ask them to protect us and lead us and provide for us. That's just not the biblical model.
1: Yeah. How can men navigate challenging times and personal hardships to develop resilience and emerge as stronger men?
0: Well, a lot of us men fail. <laughs> we all fail yeah, and we get things wrong. And... um, We can look at those failures, sin patterns, instances of stumbling that recur in our life, and we can see them as a big fat L. We can say, all I do is lose. It's not like the rap song that plays in every arena before the football or basketball game. All I do is win. I think men today would change that and they would say, all I do is lose, it feels like. Lose, 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 lose. The culture disheartens me. My home, my family even can dishearten me. I don't get a lot of support. Some men feel that way i'm torn down every direction i turn i i just feel inadequate uh, and i feel defeated and i think a lot of men feel that way here's what i would say though you go to scripture and you recognize that it is often in the valleys where god meets his people and they're in real valleys we're not we're not making them you know little tiny struggles no they're terrible struggles some in some cases you're you're fighting for your very life itself paul says in second corinthians 1 8 dave that he despaired of life itself at one point that's the apostle paul talking that's not the apostle paul necessarily of the conference circuit uh, that's not the apostle paul you hear represented in all of our writings and reformed messages and evangelical discussions but man this world can hit you very hard we have our own sin to battle we have spiritual warfare that is not tiny it's a serious factor in our lives uh, and and today in terms of that spiritual warfare in this particular context in the West, in America, you have men um, being attacked from numerous angles. That doesn't mean we get a, a pass and we're off the hook and we don't take responsibility. No, it actually means the opposite. It means when we're stumbling, when we're struggling, when we're in the valley, we recognize that this doesn't have to be an L. This can be redeemed. God loves to work in the shadows in the dark places. And if there is bitterness in our marriage, if there is poor communication in our marriage, not necessarily the cops are getting called every other week. We pray that's not happening. But even if there's just not an ideal pattern in the marriage or for a bunch of us, if you know things are a little bit tough with our kids, we're not connecting with our kids, our kids are pulling away from us. These kind of factors. I want men to hear that this can actually be the place where redemption occurs. It it is where You know, Joseph, just to give one biblical example, it's when Joseph gets profoundly humbled, literally in a pit, you know, in terms of developing circumstances as he's sold uh, into slavery. That's where God is really working in a very complex way to change Joseph and to We would say from a New Testament perspective, save Joseph, make Joseph his own, free him from his innate pride and uh, work in Joseph's life and then eventually put him to spectacular usage. And I just want to say to men today, you're not supposed to read the Bible and stories like that of men redeemed or any person redeemed and go, wow, that's great for them. But I'm nothing. I'm not one of the spiritual all stars. You're supposed to read that and go, that can be me by the grace of God. This L, this can be a W. God can turn this totally around. God can turn my marriage around. God can turn my fatherhood around. God can turn my vocation around. God can help me plug into the local church, et cetera, and so on. So redemption is the order of the day.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really important message because we know so many men that are just so in the dumps and they've, they've given up. They've stopped fighting. They've stopped fighting their own sin. They've stopped fighting for their own marriage. They've stopped fighting uh, even to work. And I think uh what, what you're saying there or they're or they're stuck in their guilt and their shame, they're enslaved to pornography or some sexual sin and they've just kind of yes. given in to the you know, to the world of flesh and the devil as as John would say, and um it's it's sad and, and your message there is just so hopeful. Um it's paradigm shifting, it's life altering. So I pray that people will really take that uh to, to heart because you know, it's it's worth it. It's worth fighting your sin, not only for your own joy, but for your own wife and your own kids, if you have them, and and for our society. Uh, we need real men, and like you said, that doesn't mean that you're you know the bodybuilder and you're buffed out of uh, like crazy or like the magazine's picture or anything like that. It just means you're growing in Christ in the valleys in the struggles, like every single one of us. And uh, yeah. God,
0: that's exactly right, Dave. That's very well said. And that's really the core message of the book. I think some people who might have heard of my take on complementarity or whatever manhood might think it's just going to be an absolute w- war of an assault on the other side, you know, all out war. I'm not fighting flesh and blood in this book or in, in my ministry or my life. None of us Christians are. Um, but actually, While I do very much go against um, cultural lies, and while I do seek to destroy strongholds in this book, um, in a second Corinthians 3 to six way, the overall abiding message I pray of the book to men out there is one of grace and redemption. And by the way, that's why the book is not just for men. It's actually for women to read too, because women are the ones who are most affected by men's struggles when men lose heart when men give up as you said a minute ago who's most affected by that at least in a lot of contexts well it's a wife and it's children or if even if the man's single but he is single but he's called to marriage you know it's it's the woman who that disheartened man now is not pursuing that fearful timid man who has no idea how to talk to a girl because he wasn't trained that way um and he's just stuck it's it's that it's the woman he could marry who's struggling so anyway spell that out at greater length but um the uh, the abiding message of the book if i can use a different picture is not punching men in the jaw that's how we were kind of addressing men in reformed and evangelical circles like 15 years ago and the kind of punch back against egalitarianism that had a lot of good to it this is this is saying hard truths And this is looking men right in the eye without blinking and saying, you got to change. You got to take responsibility. But it's saying your L can be a W. God is not casting you off when you're in tough circumstances. Um, God is not giving you hard challenges because you're so wicked. You are a sinner. But actually, God is doing the deep spiritual work in you. Um, that, That he does in all of us, not in some men, not in a lesser category of men. Again, and there's the superstars who don't need that. Again, you can kind of feel that way from some of the evangelical conference circuit and speaker tours and these sorts of things. But what I want to say is, no, every man is in exactly the same boat. Uh, Some men are more mature than others. Some men are more blessed than others in terms of what God has given them in an earthly sense. But every man is in the same boat. He's fighting his sin. He's being attacked by the devil. He needs to grow. And the grace of God will help him and change him and redeem these great challenges in his life.
1: That's really well said, brother. Well, how can fathers play a role in nurturing and shaping healthy masculinity in their sons?
0: Fathers are the primary conduit of strong manhood. That's how it gets passed on one generation to another. That's the way God has set it up. Ideally, a young man isn't having to go to YouTube to Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan and Jocko Willink and whoever else to figure out what being a man is. A lot of young men today are pulled to a figure like an Andrew Tate, you know, who's got all these cool cars and all these beautiful women supposedly on his arm, and he's just walking through the world like he owns the place and that's really appealing to young men and it's right to speak against Tate's influence but what you need to recognize is that boys and young men innately want to be strong and there are two ways that strength can crop up it can become bad strength as in Tate's case primarily or it can become good strength (laughs) so um you know the, the the young man can become strong and be a gang leader for as one example or he can become strong and become an elder in a local church um and and so there's so much that depends on how that boy and young man is engaged and shaped and what he most needs on planet earth is a godly father a man who loves the gospel who loves the word of god who models Christian faith to him? Who disciples him in the Christian faith alongside his mother? Such an important part in that young man's life, of course, as well. But um, that father is not a perfect man, and he doesn't—he isn't so idealistic that his son can do no right, and he isn't so focused on spiritual things that he never has fun with his boy. Um, a godly man is a multi-dimensional man. He's hopefully a—he jo- must be a joyful man really almost above everything else, a holy man, but a joyful man. And so our prayer for our sons is that they catch that holy joy. They see that dad is striving to be disciplined and self-controlled and bear the fruits of the spirit and et cetera and so on. He's got a real devotional life. He serves the church. He builds his vocation. But they also see that dad repents of his sin. Um, he He's gentle with his wife. Loving with his wife, even as he leads the home as the head. Um, he's fun. <laughs> he he does fun stuff for the family, even if there's not a big budget in the home. Nonetheless, you know, he connects with his son. Godly fathers, I think, try to figure out who their son is. Yes, there's some, hey, let's do this, son, and and you lead your son into that. But you also have to figure out who your boy is. And and you know, a dad may be a uh, you know, may have been a college superstar in sports, but his son isn't. Well, he's got to figure out if his son is really gifted in music or drama or something really cool like that or film Well, nurture that. But fathers have to connect with their sons where they are. There's a lot more I could say, but those are some undervalued skills in the evangelical world. And fathers really do need to not exasperate their sons or their daughters. If, Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3. There's almost nothing. It's really weird, Dave. I know I'm going to jag here. There's almost nothing said to fathers in the New Testament. There's very little direct direction for Christian fathers. But one thing there is, is the apostolic warning to not exasperate or provoke your kids, which I think often happens for a lot of us serious types when the standards are very idealistic and very hard to meet for children. And there's not a lot of humility and affection mm-hmm. emanating from the dad. We're all a work in progress. We all stumble at this, me very much included. But we've got to we've got to sharpen up and we've got to invest in our sons and our daughters.
1: Yeah. That's that's really, really a good word. Well, brother, where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise?
0: I don't know if I want to commend social media these days, but um, I understand. They can go to my Twitter uh, profile at O S T R A C H A N O Strand. I'm on Instagram as well. I think I'm shadow banned because of lockdown comments I've made going against that, going against churches being locked down a few years ago. So not growing much over there in terms of audience, but that's okay. At Prof Strand, so those are two places that folks can find my stuff.
1: Yeah, man but just as we wrap up uh can you give us a few takeaways about the book and this topic as a whole
0: yeah i really appreciate the interview dave um the war on men is uh is just a call to men but it's a call issued in hope i pray that it speaks the truth in love ephesians 4 15. um i pray that men read it and i pray that women read it i pray that it will be used in churches and small groups and that kind of setting uh, i pray that fathers will read it with their sons I pray that husbands and wives will read it together. Um, and, and my prayer is just that this book is used exceedingly abundantly beyond what I can ask or think in an Ephesians three way um, to help and restore and build and bless. Mm-hmm. The challenge, as I conclude, is that the times are so evil. There's so much working against us men, our own sin to start. But I, I actually am much more inspired by hope. I believe that even as it's really dark out there in the culture, the light is bright in the church and churches really have an opportunity to build into the next generation. And uh, as it's cold out there, and as there's little nurture now that happens in many contexts in our world, in our society, in America, and as, as the nature of boys is militated against and opposed, and boys are rewired and doped up on medication that most of them don't need, as all of those ill things are playing out, I pray that the church shines as a culture of grace and truth, John 117, and it builds men by the grace of God even as it builds women by the grace of God
1: amen well guys we've been talking today with my friend Owen about his new book the war on men why society hates them and why we need them here's the book if you're watching the video it's a really helpful book and I want to encourage you to pick it up as you've no doubt realized Owen is a thoroughly biblical and solid thinker and he's also very practical and so. Uh, this book will be full of scripture and great theology and practical help for you. So thank you, brother, for your continued work.
0: Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Always, brother. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast.